Al-Jazeera podcast. The UN warns of violence reaching boiling points between Israelis and Palestinians. At least 200 Palestinians and 25 Israelis have been killed this year. What's behind it all? And where will this lead to next? I'm Darina Abogeda. You're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's now bring in our guest. Joining us from Tel Aviv is Akiva Eldar, who's a contributor to the Israeli daily Haaretz. From Ramallah, Nur Odeh, a political analyst and founding member of Palestine's Democratic National Assembly. And from London, Bill Law is the editor of Arab Digest and director of the Gulf Matters Consultancy. Welcome to you all. Thanks so much for your time with us on Inside Story. Uh, Akiva Eldar in Tel Aviv, Israeli military raids have long been a regular occurrence in the occupied West Bank that lead to injuries of Palestinians and killings of unarmed Palestinians. But would you say that there is now an uptick of these raids? And, and if so, why? Well, I'm afraid that uh, what uh, we are witnessing now is uh, a promo of uh, what will happen once, I still hope it's if, Netanyahu will form the uh, most zealous uh, government that uh, we have experienced, uh, I think, uh, since, uh, you know, in the last uh, 74 years since the establishment of the State of Israel. Um, if uh, the outgoing government headed by Prime Minister Yair Lapid was uh, at least uh, literally committed to the two-state solution and both to uh, democracy and Jewish values. And now this is a government that uh, sees the democracy as uh, a tool to establish a full-fledged Jewish state. Uh, This is a government that uh, is formed by a prime minister who uh, will still have to uh, spend some time in court and uh, ask uh, and be asked uh, very serious questions by the judges and the public opinion. And uh, members of the uh, Kahana racist party that uh, believe in the Jewish supremacy. So um, I'm afraid that uh, uh, we haven't seen uh, the uh, anticlimax. I I really hope that the international community will have something to say. According to Haaretz newspaper today, the uh, American administration made it clear to Israel that annexation and escalation uh, will deteriorate the uh, U.S.-Israeli uh, strategic relations. Okay, uh, Nur Ode, let's bring you in. So Akiva has added the political dimension to all of this. Do do people in Ramallah fear that things are going to get indeed much worse with the new government in Israel, the most right-wing in its history, in fact? Well, it's not a matter of fear. It's a matter of certainty. We know that uh, when this government takes office, uh, it will be uh, more hostile, more racist, uh, more brutal towards the Palestinians, because that's the agenda it was impl- it was elected to implement. Uh, and that's the uh, ideology that it espouses. So an expectation of an escalation 
in what is already a daily uh, brutal uh, reality of occupation and colonization um, is, is um, you know, everybody, every Palestinian is on that page. Uh, but I think the elephant in the room here is what uh, Akiva alluded to, which is the so-called international community, which has allowed this situation to continue. It has allowed it to reach uh, where we're at now, uh, because it has allowed Israel to get away with all of these actions, with all of these acts of aggression, with entrenching uh, the colonial occupation, uh, while trying to manage uh, the uh, occupation and the Palestinians and ensure that the only thing they do is to be subservient to the occupation, uh, criminalizing any form of resistance, criminalizing any form of dissent for that matter. We have countries that have gone as far as considering the Palestinian flag and kofiya uh, symbols of incitement. That's how far this international community has gone to try and mute the Palestinian voices and their narrative. Right. Law. if you listen to the Israeli narrative, however, they say there has been an unprecedented escalation in attacks on Israeli troops and settlers. I mean, and over in, in West Jerusalem, in fact, just a few weeks ago, uh, there was a bus bombing, as I'm sure you're aware, which um, yeah, that type of bombing hadn't taken place for, for a very long time. Well, yeah, there is, there is an uptick of violence, but uh, as has already been noted, the violence is very much uh, coming from the Israeli side. And I think that one of the concerns, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the concerns that I have is the extent to which these uh, young settler thugs are harassing, uh, beating, abusing Palestinians. I mean, there was a situation a couple of days ago where uh, an Arab reporter was surrounded by these young uh, thugs who were chanting death to the Arabs, death to the Arabs, and uh, trying to, uh, and effectively blocking her efforts to, uh, to do her presentation. So it is no surprise, as, as Nuris said, that, uh, and, and Akiva, that this is happening. What I think is, is very concerning is that you have this strong, strong movement of young settlers, which the uh, basically the government or the government in waiting, Netanyahu, is weaponizing and uh, threatening, intimidating, and really abusing the Palestinian population in ways that uh, we haven't seen uh, for some time. So, of course, there is uh, violence on the other side. This is to be expected. When you apply repression as severely as the Israelis are doing via the IDF, uh, then you are going to get, unfortunately and very sadly, some violence coming from the Palestinian side. And Bill, do you agree with what Noor had to say a moment ago, which was that it is almost certain that this is going to get worse under the new uh, upcoming government in Israel? Yes, I do. I do very much. And, and she touched on something that's very important, which is that, you know, Western democracies are simply standing by and letting this happen without uh, 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 even a, a modicum of, of concern. So, yes, I, I, I fear that it will inevitably become worse and that the Palestinians will suffer even more abuse than that which they're already experiencing. Uh, I, we will get on the issue of the international community in a moment, but uh, first, Noor Ode, let me ask you what the Palestinian Authority 
spokesperson uh, had to say, the spokesperson of the president, that is, he said that the daily killings of Palestinians is, quote, a declaration of war. Yet at the same time, you have the Palestinian Authority, which continues its security coordination with Israel. How, how, how is this explained? Well, I can't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but to answer your question, I'm going to have to go back to the international community because these are the rules imposed by the world on the Palestinian political system. This is not to excuse the shortcomings of the Palestinian Authority, which are many. But as far as security coordination or so-called security coordination, this is a requirement imposed by uh, international actors, by so-called Western democracies, uh, to uh, allow for the continued operation of the Palestinian Authority. Uh, th these are the rules of the game set over, you know, uh, since the signing of, of, of uh, the interim agreements with Israel in, in 1993. The world expects the Palestinians to ensure that Israelis, their occupier, are protected. Uh, it is a bizarre, uh, 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 illogical, um, ahistorical arrangement that has been imposed on the Palestinian people that creates a lot of internal uh, tension um, in, in the Palestinian society. But it is, again, imposed by the outside world uh, when the situation is in reverse, when we're talking about uh, ensuring Palestinian uh, civilian security, um, there is no uh, comparable international position. Uh, the Israeli uh, occupation authorities and security apparatuses do not make any kind of effort to ensure the protection of civilians, for example, from Israeli settler attacks, which is their obligation under international law. But you don't see any international actor, any country, um, uh, pushing Israel, pressuring Israel to do its minimum obligation in that uh, sense. So we go back to that um, equation that has been imposed on the Palestinians, whereby they're expected to act nice, uh, to uh, be an occupied people unlike any other, to not resist, to not oppose occupation, um, and to even facilitate or, or cooperate with their occupier uh, in exchange for what? for increased settlement activity, for the highest number of home demolitions in the past 15 years in the West Bank, the highest number of Palestinians and Palestinian children killed in the past 15 years uh, this year alone. Um, that's why this equation is not just broken, but it's untenable. And, and um, what we're seeing on the ground is a, a very honest expression of where Palestinians stand. They right. are simply fed up, fed up with this a sour deal that is shoved down their throat. Right. And Akiva, when, when statements such as this one come out of the, the U.S., um, uh, the U.S. Assistant Secretary for Near Eastern Affairs, Barbara Leaf, said this back in September, that the Biden administration is working to ensure the continuation of security cooperation between Israel and the Palestinian Authority, and that it wants to ensure to the greatest degree that cooperation is robust and continuing. I mean, what's your reaction to, to, to such statements? Are they helpful at all? Oh, well, I don't think that they are going to last very long. Uh, since uh, if uh, things will go on the way uh, to the same direction that they've been going on, actually, I, I must say, in the last year, even under the so-called uh, left-center uh, government, we um, were experiencing more fatalities than during the uh, Netanyahu's tenure. So um, uh, I, I don't see the light 
uh, at the end of the tunnel, and I can not even see a tunnel because uh, the American facilitators have disappeared. The uh, international community, the Europeans are busy now with Hungary, with the U with Ukraine, and uh, they're not very eager to step in into this mud again. But the good news is maybe it has to get worse before it gets better. This government is going to remove its own democratic mask by challenging the independence of the Supreme Court, which uh, has great international reputation, um, and uh, Israel could hide behind uh, the argument that Israel uh, is respecting the international law and the Israeli law, and uh, the uh, international community will, is going to see a very different Israel. Even uh, the outgoing prime minister, Lapid, called for public rebellion against what uh, Netanyahu's uh, colleagues are now asking for is actually a halakha, a Talmud uh, state, they are challenging the Israeli majority that are not orthodox. They are also challenging the majority of the American Jewish community, which is uh, basically uh, reform or conservative, not orthodox. Um, so Israel is going to lose its power, uh, not only in the administration, but also in the Congress, in the Jewish community, and the American public opinion. Uh, even the Israeli left, which lost a month ago in the elections, is, is waking up. This is a wake-up call. This is one too much what Netanyahu is doing now with uh, inviting racists into his government and making Israelis being ashamed of their country, being ashamed of their, their passports. And now I, I see Israeli reporters are complaining that they are not welcomed by Arabs in the uh, in the Doha in the World Cup uh, matches because uh, what can you say? Uh, right. The Arab people are not very happy with with the Israeli occupation. Uh, Bill, uh, um, just comment on what Akiva had to say. I mean, do you think that uh, Israel in the long run uh, might lose out politically in terms of uh, international support as well as domestic support? Well, that's an interesting question. I think that uh, in, in the court of uh, public opinion, Israel is starting to lose uh, that, uh, that particular battle. Uh, because of social media, we see these very disturbing images that are appearing on a daily basis. I'm, I'm thinking of the, uh, the school that was demolished, uh, the IDF escorting out young primary uh, age children, and then their, their, their school being demolished. Now, these images uh, are, are, are shocking, I think, and disturbing. So in that regard, yes, Israel is losing uh, some of the gloss that it has had. I think the question of Israel presenting itself as the only democracy in the region is increasingly tawdry and, and tired. Uh, however, the, the political situation remains, the reality remains that Western governments continue to stand toe-to-toe with the Israeli government, continue not to call out the disturbing treatment and the increasingly violent behavior of, of the IDF, how they stand by and watch, for example, Hebron, 
where, where people were being, Arabs were being attacked by settlers, the IDF stood by and watched, where uh, an IDF soldier assaulted a uh, Israeli peace protester, where just today the, uh, the uh, IDF declared Hebron a military, excluded military zone, preventing pr uh, peace pro uh, protesters from coming to Hebron to show support for the Palestinians. Uh, I think that we have a real problem here. I think the problem is within Israel. I think the problem is, is, is with Western governments. I think it's going to be a long time before uh, the, Israel wakes up, but also I think b before the Western governments wake up. And that's very sad because once again, it's the Palestinian people who pay the price for our silence and, and our negligence. Right, so they're paying the price, Noor, and as we're saying, Palestinians are divided, there's no leadership, largely abandoned by the international community. So what, what you're seeing and hearing on the ground in, in Ramallah and, and uh, other occupied territories, are Palestinians taking matters into their own hands? And going forward, uh, are we seeing a resurgence of the, the resistance to the occupation? Well, uh, Darin, the Palestinian people have been resisting occupation right. for over uh, seven decades. That has not stopped. And the fact that we saw... I we suppose, see let me just rephrase that, that then. It's, I'm talking about more resistance in the sense that will we, will we be seeing uh, organized resistance like the First Intifada, for example? No, I don't think that we will see uh, something similar to the First Intifada. The First Intifada had a unified uh, political leadership and it came in a very different political context. I think what you see now is far more dangerous uh, because of all, all the things that we talked about, uh, the international component, the Palestinian division, the the audacity and the ferocity of uh, of Israeli settler organizations and, and, and extreme uh, racist uh, uh, groups that uh, literally go out in the streets and hunt down Palestinians and in occupied East Jerusalem and even inside uh, Israel proper. So we, we're, you know, it's a different ball game. It's the same um, relationship between occupied and occupier, if you will. Uh, but I do think that what Palestinians can count on and should be working on right now, uh, in addition to uh, restoring and repairing their own political entity uh, by uniting, is uh, working on Europe uh, through solidarity groups in, in European capitals. These governments in Europe must be held accountable by their own constituents. They must be held accountable for their double standards, for their hypocrisy, really, uh, uh, in terms of uh, their positions towards Israel. They cannot apply different standards. And if they choose to continue to talk about championing uh, international law and human rights, then they must hold Israel accountable for its actions. They must treat the incoming government the way they would treat any other racist, homophobic, uh, government uh, uh, um, that they have special and strategic relations with, uh, this government should be boycotted by Europe and others if they really want to continue having any kind of integrity uh, or credibility regarding where they stand on international law and human rights. And, and Palestinians will continue to do what they've done uh, for seven decades, resist occupation in different ways and different manners. Um, and now they have the added burden of trying to uh, recover their polity from a broken, uh, um, you know, uh, old group of old men who uh, seem to be so entrenched in their position and divided that they've uh, left us with their uh, uh, with our backs uh, bare, really, uh, right. to this occupation. Akiva Eldar, um, if we just kind of 
take a broader picture here and put it into context, how, how far are Palestinians and Israelis today from a uh, political solution? Um, actually, um, the platform of the new government is very clear about it. They believe in annexation of Area C, which covers 60% of the West Bank. Uh, they uh, will resist uh, any negotiations, not let alone with, with Hamas. And this is something that I would like to see on the Palestinian side. If I was a Palestinian, I would like to see some kind of uh, coexistence, uh, if not uh, alliance between uh, all Palestinian forces. But as an Israeli, uh, who am I to give the Palestinians advice? But uh, yes, I, I can see the international community now asking clear questions to uh, the Israelis like uh, they uh, asked uh, the uh, South African, what do you want? Do you want uh, an apartheid regime? Uh, do you want uh, a criminal in the uh, leading uh, position? Or, as you say, Israel for many years uh, claimed that uh, it's the only democracy in the Middle East. Is it so? Um, I'm afraid that uh, the current uh, prime minister, the current uh, members of the cabinet, will have a hard time answering this kind of questions. Uh, Bill Law, there were reports uh, that there were some members of the Biden administration who, uh, who were concerned about new members of this right-wing government in Israel. Do you think at all that uh, we'll get to a point where the uh, Americans will perhaps disengage from certain members of the Israeli government? over their right-wing views and policies? And if so, what impact will that have? Yeah, I, again, I, I wish I could say yes, but, but I don't think that will happen. Uh, th th these, uh, these particular Smotrich and Ben Gavir coming in, uh, as Akiva said, racists. Uh, they, their hatred for Arabs is appalling, and they should be denounced. In Washington, they should be denounced here in London. They're not being. The silence is very, very worrying. Uh, there may be, certainly there will be, uh, people within the Democrat Party that will speak up. But will Joe Biden uh, uh, pay that much heed? I, I, I fear not. Okay. Will the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, pay them much heed? No, I don't think so. We'll have to leave it there on that note. Thank you so much for joining us, Akiva Eldar, Noor Ode, and uh, Bill Law. Thanks so much. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Calvin Eng, Nihad Al-Abadi, Aysaba Umutlu, and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Suraj Shankar. The program was edited by Alexander Otasevich, Lynn Guyen, and Joda Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Monday. I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight. Al Jazeera's original docudrama series. In season five, we meet Lily Parr, one of the greatest footballers you've probably never heard of. A prolific attacker, the English player broke the norms when it came to women in football. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts.